the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I don't know whether any of you have ever looked at the um, Louisiana liturgical calendar, but uh, this Tuesday is uh, Mardi Gras. And um, Mardi Gras means uh, Fat Tuesday. And it's sort of a uh, 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 end of... Um, uh, end of uh, the year uh, blowout before the start of Lent. And um, in the last couple weeks, um, I've been getting correspondence from some of my brothers from uh, the New Orleans Police Department that I was down there uh, during Katrina with. Uh, stuff like, Et toi, pater, le bon temps rouler, let the good times roll. Uh, invitations to come down to um, uh, to uh, New Orleans for uh, Carnival. Uh, and if you don't know what Carnival means, it comes from the Latin Carnevale, uh, uh, farewell to meat. And, um, you know, which I, I've always found kind of amusing. Now, um, we come today uh, to our gospel and, and we see a, a mood and an attitude uh, and a sense that's there in the gospel, which is quite incongruous to Carnival. Uh, and although on, on the Orthodox calendars it does say today, it does after all say that today is Meat Fair Sunday, um, additionally, it says that it is the Sunday of the Last Judgment. Now, you juxtapose those two with each other, and um, uh, it's, it's, it's it kind of a little bit incongruous. You know, wh what are we doing here? Are we partying, le bon temporale, or are we um, uh, embracing, embracing the fact that we are coming to the last judgment? And in the gospel today, and in, uh, in the hymnody, we, we truly do hear that. But still, on, on the one hand, we get ready for a barbecue, and on the other hand, we get ready for Judgment Day. Um, a Judgment Day that may come a thousand years from now, uh, or it just might come on the way home from, from the barbecue, or actually, it might even come before the barbecue. We don't really know. We don't really know. So are we in that state of preparation? We, uh, there's a soberness that ought to come over each of us when we hear the gospel. For we each have an appointment. Every man, every woman has this appointment. And none of us has put that appointment onto the calendar of our, um, of our iPhone uh, with some sort of a... Um, uh, a reminder tone, something like, da, 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 da. <laughs> you know, we don't have a reminder tone that tells us when our death is coming. The da, that we don't have a reminder tone to remind us that Judgment Day is coming. But the Epistle to the Hebrews warns us that it is appointed unto every man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. 
so it would seem that to set that before us is a grace from God. It is not morbid thinking to think of your death. It is not morbid thinking to think of the day of judgment. It's just wisdom. It is wisdom for us to think and to prepare. So please, listen carefully, not just to the homily, but to every bit of hymnody that is sung today, to every prayer that points us in that direction. We begin to prepare here and now for Judgment Day. As the clergy pray before the liturgy in the service of preparation, we say, the celebrant says, strengthen me for thine appointed service, that standing without condemnation before thy fearful judgment seat, I may fulfill the sacred service. As we prepare for this service and then serve, as we prepare down here, as we prepare out there and then come here and then go in to serve, in a mystery, are we somehow in that moment, in that eternal moment, are we before the judgment seat? The servant, the service suddenly becomes a bit more serious if we think of ourselves as standing before the judgment seat. Am I before my judge? And if I am before my judge, what defense is it that I make? Do my good deeds somehow, good deeds if I could count any, if I could remember any, do my good deeds somehow outweigh my bad ones, of which I remember most of? I know my sin, and my sin is ever before me, as, as the psalm says. Do my good deeds outweigh my bad? No, they don't. Mine really don't, I'm quite sure. And forgive me, a sinner, but yours probably don't either. So the clergy pray in their entrance, laying aside all defense. And then we do and we pray the one thing that does make some sense as we're headed to judgment. We pray in the preparation, we sinners offer unto thee as master this supplication. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. If we so beg, if we so beg for that mercy in this place, then the dread judgment seat before which we stand becomes a mercy seat, not just a seat of judgment, but a seat of mercy a seat where mercy is given to us. Grace is given to us according not to the measure of our deeds, but according to the greatness of his mercy. And his mercy toward us has no limitation. And it is not thrown away 
even if we have thrown it away because of our sins? Can the mercy we receive here, and you will receive mercy today, can the mercy we receive here change us when we go away from here? What then will we do? As if we were given resurrection, like, like the friend of the Lord Lazarus, raised from the dead. What, was his life, what remained of it after that point, different from before then? When we have been given mercy in this place and go forth from this place, is our life different than it was before we received that mercy? If we are truly here to see that mercy, to reach for that mercy, to touch that mercy, for we touch here. We don't just think about it. We don't just talk about it. We touch it and we receive it physically. We receive it as a medicine. It would surely transform everything about our life, that medicine. For the measure of how true and faithfully we have received what we have been given here is our practice of the mercy of love when we depart from this place in peace. We go out into a world, we go out into a world, and I am always reminded of Father Lazarus talking about how we Christians are amphibians. We live in two kingdoms. We come here to the kingdom of God, and then we go forth to the kingdom of the world, and then we come back, back and forth. When we are in that kingdom of the world, what do we find there? We find little peace, little love, little mercy, except that that we carry out from this place when we go forth. And the mercy is not just for our kin and our friends, but for the stranger on the street. We do not have to speculate on what this might look like. We don't have to have a seminar where someone says, now what might that look like? Let's list all those things. We don't have to speculate on it. We don't have to talk about it because it's right there in the gospel. It tells us what that would look like. The gospel instructs us to specific actions. This is not abstract. This is practical as potatoes. This is simple and straightforward. We are to feed hungry people. We are to give drink to thirsty people. We are to welcome the stranger, the alien among us. We are to clothe the one with no clothes we are to visit the sick and the prisoner. Wait a minute. How do I put that into my iPhone calendar? That I have an appointment with the Christ in this world. St. Simeon, the new theologian, does not let us off the hook. He says that these commands do not indicate one incident, but a constant attitude toward everyone. 
Think about that. It's not just that you check that one off on your, oh, it, it's Lent, I'm going to go um, feed the hungry today. Check. It is a constant attitude toward the whole world. It is the fulfillment of what the Blessed Father Alexander said uh, in, in his writings so many times about how what we do is for the life of the world and for its salvation, that which is in the liturgy itself. St. Seraphim um, reminded Matavilov as they stood in the snow that the Lord promised, as you do this to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Well, how do we get there if we're not there? We now come to the spare territory of Lent, pretty nearly. And if there was a ringtone for that, it would probably be. Da, 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 da. We're coming to Lent. It's here. To all of our prayers and prostrations and readings and fasting, may we add the discipline to beg for the Lord's mercy. And having received that mercy, not just to presume as if saying, whew, that was close, glad he was merciful to me, I dodged that one. We are not just to skate away from the mercy that we get. We are to multiply that mercy in the world. We are to carry that mercy to those that need it. What we have received, we pass on. Love, mercy to the people we meet. In our fast, may their hunger and thirst become our hunger and thirst. What we have been given, even a crust of bread, may we share it. Why? Well, you, you, you might start because uh, concern for the last judgment is probably pretty good motivator, uh, it really ought to be. But if, if for some reason that's not quite enough for you, uh, again, the ever-memorable Father Alexander compels us when he says, each one, each one of us has received the gift and grace of Christ's love, and we know that all men ultimately need this personal love the recognition in them of their unique soul in which the beauty of the whole creation is reflected in a unique way. We know also that men are in prison, that men are sick and thirsty and hungry. They are sick and thirsty and hungry because the personal love has been denied to them. They have been on the margins of it. And finally, we know that however narrow and limited the framework of our personal existence is, each one of us has been made responsible for a tiny part of the kingdom of God, even if it's just our heart, even if it's just our own yard. Parenthesis from me. We are responsible for a tiny part of the kingdom of God, made responsible by that very gift of Christ's love. 
thus on whether or not we have accepted this responsibility, on whether we have loved or refused to love, so shall we be judged. And in that, we know that we can never measure up to the mark of the Lord's love for us. And because of that, we plead for mercy, knowing that he is ready to give that mercy. Lord, have mercy. With the merciful love with which we have been loved, may we be merciful and love in our turn to all we encounter. And this will be, this will be to the glory of God. And this will be that for which we do love. This will be the fulfillment of all that is before us in the coming days to the glory of God the Father.